Slapshot. Nothing personal. Word of the day is Slapshot because we're talking hockey. We're leading this show off with hockey today. It is May 6th. It is a Thursday. Slapshot is from 1977. If you haven't seen it, you have to go see it with the Hanson brothers, Paul Newman. It's a movie that I was nine years old and somehow I got into a theater to see it. It was rated R. It was actually the first time I ever saw in a movie nudity was Slapshot. And what's famous about that movie is A, it's hysterical, but B, it's about a hockey team. And one of the best scenes of the hockey team, of the, of the movie itself, was during a game, there was a fight that started before the national anthem. The Hanson brothers had a fight before even the anthem starts. So why is that in my head? And why are we leading off a show with hockey? Because I love the New York Rangers. I was at Wayne Gretzky's last game. I was so happy when they won the cup in 1994, when the Knicks and Rangers should have won the same year. There's something about the New York Rangers, the blue shirts, the blue seats, the pot band sucks chance. If you don't know what that is, you're not paying attention. I bet you don't know who that is, Coca. Dennis Pot fan. That's what you chant when you're at a Ranger game at the Garden. So the Rangers had that statement yesterday where they were so angry about what Tom Wilson did. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, please do, because that will inform you what's happening right now. Well, last night, the Rangers and the Capitals were playing again. They line up. The anthem plays. They drop the puck to open the game. Strangely enough, the best players were not on the ice. Hmm. That would be like the Miami Heat starting lineup during the big three era of Udonis Haslam. I can't even name the other players. Brian Grant. Name five players in the big three, but LeBron and Wade and Bosh are healthy and not playing. Or the Lakers with a healthy LeBron and AD not sitting because of load management. The Rangers and Capitals purposefully started their third lines. In hockey, you've got first stringers, second stringers, and third stringers. And they're always going back and forth because you can only play for like a minute at a time. The puck drops. No one goes for that face-off. Instead, they drop their gloves and start brawling. Three different fights out of the five players on the ice. Right when the game starts. They're fighting because of what Tom Wilson did to the Ranger player earlier this week. 72 penalty minutes are handed out. In hockey, if you fight, you can get a 10-minute misconduct. You can get a game misconduct. It all depends. There were 141 penalty minutes, but Tom Wilson was not in the game. All of a sudden, the fight happens. Players go into the penalty box. Out comes Tom Wilson. Puck drops. Immediate fight. Tom Wilson gets the crap beaten out of him, or maybe he didn't. It's hard to tell in a hockey fight who actually wins. I mean, the gloves are off, which is truly an expression that is literal. You take your gloves off to fight in hockey. And my question for Gary Bettman is the following, the commissioner of hockey. Why not just come out and acknowledge the fact that people like watching hockey because of fights? Why pretend to make rules that make fighting less uh, 
probable to take place because they're going to suspend and give extra penalties to. Why not just acknowledge that we're trying to get a better TV deal. We just got a better TV deal. We're trying to become truly one of the top four sports in, in North America. And we know that fans are pugilists in general, and they get to live vicariously and all their frustrations through these hockey players. And so let them fight. My frustration is that in baseball, when someone gets hit by a pitch and you want to retaliate and the bench is clear, the umpire can give a warning to both sides. And if there's another hit by pitch, even if it's unintentional, there is going to be a ejection. If there is a bench clearing brawl that leads to some sort of fighting or actual punching in baseball, there are suspensions. And so Baseball has mandated that these things aren't going to happen. Sometimes they still do and they have to suspend, whether it's a Reds pitcher named Garrett or Castellanos, whatever they have to do, they do suspension so as not to incite bench clearing brawls. But you very rarely see punches thrown the way you used to in baseball because under the collective bargaining agreement, you can really do large suspensions to say nothing of COVID. In the NBA, remember the old days in the 80s, Larry Bird would be fighting with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Lambeer and the Pistons would be fighting with everybody. The Knicks and the Heat would have fights and there would be punches thrown and these are big men and you'd have the smaller referees in the middle. So the NBA changed its rules. And they said, if you leave the bench during a fight, it is an automatic suspension. You may remember a Miami Heat New York Knicks playoff series from 1999 where the Knicks left the bench and the Heat left the bench in a seven-game series, and they had to suspend players over the course of a game six and a game seven. And that's my memory of it, because if they'd suspended everybody who left the bench, there'd be no one left to play but the ball boys. Hockey's rules are tough, but not tough enough. What would baseball do if there had been an acknowledgement that after a hit by pitch, that there was going to be the following day, not a retaliatory hit by pitch, but an actual fight. And for there to be an actual fight, the team does not start its starting pitcher. They put in a guy from the minor leagues, they bring him up or they put in the 26th man on the roster to pitch, or they put a position player in to pitch the first pitch of the game. And before the first pitch happens, I said fist, the pitcher storms home plate and starts a fight. Do you think that the NHL was not aware that the Rangers and Capitals were not starting their first line, their top line? I'm just asking for a friend. And so therefore, if they knew that was happening and they allowed it to happen, what it obviously means is by the transitive property of knowing that means they were okay with it happening. And if you're going to be okay with it, just acknowledge it. So I'm quite disappointed with the NHL because I'm okay with the fighting. Just say you like it. What about the Rangers? They made news again yesterday. And I'm doubling up on the Rangers because I want to explain what Jimmy Dolan is doing. Jimmy Dolan is the owner of the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. He is widely considered one of the poorest owners in sports, and that's not based on the fact that he doesn't embrace the old Knicks, and he had the issue with Charles Oakley and Spike Lee and Patrick Ewing and yada, yada. It's based on the fact they don't win at all under Dolan's leadership. So 
there was a statement made yesterday by the Rangers about how they wanted some guy fired, Peros fired within the hockey league. And I tweeted within the commissioner's office and I tweeted at you yesterday saying, if the team president and the team GM were not in agreement with Jimmy Dolan and Dolan is doing this on his own, there are big problems in that front office. And it is likely because the statement was signed New York Rangers hockey club that no one put a name to it that that generally means the owner wanted that to happen. And rumors are now out. Sources are now saying, I'm not a source guy, you know that. And rumors and sources are saying that Dolan wanted this statement out and the president and GM did not and were not aware that it was going to happen. So not only did the statement come out, but the very next day, meaning yesterday, John Davidson, the president of the Rangers and the GM of the Rangers, whose name just mysteriously left my head, were both fired. The irony of this firing is it's the end of the season. The Rangers had just got eliminated from the playoffs. The Rangers are at the end maybe of a rebuild. They've had a couple of high draft picks and uh, they have a chance to be good. Why is it that you think that Dolan fired the president right after the statement and after the issue with the Capitals? Do you think that the following could have happened? Because I've seen it. Do you think that... uh, Dolan calls up Davidson, calls up the GM, whose name is Jeff Gordon, and says, we got to do something about this. This is an outrage. I demand action. I demand answers. Why are we allowing our players to get hurt by this hoodlum bully Tom Wilson? And Davidson said, listen, part of the game, but um, you know, we're going to fight him tomorrow. Everything will be fine. Dolan said, not enough. I want heads to roll. So he has heads roll, except it's not the head in the commissioner office. He fired the damn president. So he says to the president, release this statement. The president says, I won't do it. Is it enough that you would resign if your boss told you to do something that you were not going to do? Would you resign over it before you did it? Is it based on principle? Are there things that you care about enough that you would actually give up your job as someone, one of 30 in the world or 31, I don't know how many hockey teams there are these days, one of 30, 31, 32, whatever the number is, no way. Coaches don't resign, GMs don't resign, presidents don't resign. You think Dolan said, hey, if you don't do this, I'm gonna fire you. And they said, we're not doing it. And Dolan followed through. You think it's possible that the president of the Rangers has had enough of Dolan and he said, I want no part of anything that you're doing because you're a laughing stock. And he finally had it out with the owner over this Tom Wilson situation. And then instead of being told to resign or given a chance to resign, he just got fired. And the reason I'm speculating about what took place is having run a team for as long as I did, there is no scenario under which you are making the statement you made to the, about the commissioner's office and the following day firing your president and GM. That type of coincidence does not exist. So they're going to bring in a new president. They hired some, they hired Drury, a player who played for them. And uh, we'll see what happens with the Rangers. Tony LaRusse is in the news. And Coca, did we talk about Tony LaRusse yesterday? I can't remember whether we did. 
And we talked about the fact that there's some concern about his in-game managing. I believe that was in yesterday's show. Why is Tony La Russa in the news and in our show two days in a row? You will not believe what happened. I am picturing myself watching a game. I'm sitting there. I'm watching it unfold. I've got my rule book next to me. I've got the collective bargaining agreement next to me. I've got the instant replay rules next to me. I'm watching. Going into extra innings. All of a sudden, I see a pitcher on second base. And I would look over at the GM who I'm watching the game with, and we would say to each other, that can't be. Call the dugout right now. And we would call the dugout and try to get to the dugout before the first pitch is thrown of the inning because we would see the pitcher running out to second base. Would we get there in time? Maybe, maybe not. What the hell am I talking about? What I'm talking about is in baseball, they have a new extra inning rule where the 10th inning starts with a man on second base, no outs. And the player who takes second base is the player who made the last out in the ninth inning. And if that player has been taken out of the game, it is the player who replaced him in that slot in the batting order. So if the number eight hitter is leading off the 10th inning, that means the number seven hitter made the last out. That means the number seven hitter goes to second base and starts there with no outs. There is an exception. The exception is if the pitcher makes the last out or if you've done a double switch where the pitcher's spot in the batting order is the spot that made the last out. If that happens, you do not need to send your pitcher to second base with no outs. You can go one spot further back in the order. So if your pitcher is in the seventh spot after a double switch, the seventh spot makes the last out of the game, of the, of the ninth inning. The runner who goes is the runner in the sixth spot. Is everyone okay? Is everyone with me? Because Tony La Russa didn't know the rule. Tony La Russa sent out their closer, who they just signed to that ridiculous long-term deal before the season started, with championship aspirations. He trots out to second base. What the hell is he doing? Miguel Cairo, bench coach, crickets. Frank Manichino, hitting coach, crickets. Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, president, GM, crickets. There must be something happening. He must think that Hendricks is faster than Abreu, who would have been the batter at second base. But there's no way you'd want your pitcher running the bases. You don't want to risk a hamstring. You want someone who's going to be faster, and even Abreu who's faster than a pitcher. So we're wondering what's going on. But you don't have to wonder much longer because the game ends. Tony La Russa is asked about it. And I kid you not, he said, I didn't know that was the rule. He admitted that he did not know that part of the extra inning rule. That's not happening on my watch. If I can't get to the manager in time or to the dugout in time to make sure that that rule is being taken advantage of and we're not having the pitcher at second base, I'm sure as hell going down to the clubhouse immediately after the game, waiting there 
for after last pitch where I've got 10 minutes by rule. There's a rule in baseball that you can close your clubhouse for 10 minutes following a game before you have to have players meet the media. In the old pre-COVID days, the media would be allowed into the clubhouse. They would congregate in front of the clubhouse, and then you had to open the door after 10 minutes. That is a rule. In this era of Zoom, you have to make players available in a special Zoom area within 10 minutes. Manager and players. Every game. Every game, the manager must meet the media before and after the game. There are zero exceptions to that rule. I'm going down to the clubhouse and I'm speaking to Tony LaRussa and I'm speaking to my bench coach, hitting coach, pitching coach, anybody. And I'm telling them exactly what they're going to say to the media. What they're going to say to the media, therefore to their fans. You may be wondering why Liam Hendricks started at second base. We didn't want a Brehu on the bases. And the rule states that the only one who could have been on the bases would be either Hendricks or Abreu. And we made that choice. Why am I saying that? There's no way I'm admitting to my fans, my owner, the other teams in baseball, that we are that inept and incompetent. I'm never going to acknowledge that. That is a straight competitive disadvantage to acknowledge any sort of weakness unless you're doing it strategically. And there's nothing strategic about saying you don't know a rule. It is embarrassing. It is inexcusable. And it's not isolated. Anyone paying attention to our old friend Joe Girardi? Joe Girardi did something similar. Have you ever seen players when uh, the game starts and before a game can start, the two managers or sometimes the bench coaches or sometimes they allow someone else to do it? It's called the lineup exchange where you go to home plate, you meet with the umpires, talk about the grand rules of the stadium you're in, and you exchange lineup cards. You've seen that. The reason why you do that is not for show. It's actually because they don't want you to meet the umpires not in public view. They don't. You're not allowed to go to the umpire's locker room. It's what you hand to the umpire is your official lineup card with your official batting order. All the stuff that you see managers looking at during a game, they're holding a bunch of papers. They're taking stuff out of their pocket. They're looking at the wall where stuff is posted. All of that are copies. They're meaningless. If you got those wrong, it doesn't matter. What matters is what the umpire has. That is the official lineup card, the official batting order. Joe Girardi, just the other day, he forgot to update his own lineup card. Therefore, he gave a lineup card to the umpire that did not have a pitcher on it who had been activated and had been available to pitch. And if you're not on the lineup card, you cannot play. That is why every manager I worked with and there were scores, as you know, we had them compare the lineup card to the roster that is the official roster that is given to the manager by the AGM, assistant general manager, and then compare that roster to the roster that he has in front of him to the roster that is being given to the umpires. You check it, you go back and forth. I remember managers doing this every single game before every game. You cannot make mistakes like that. 
I'm not saying that everybody's perfect. I'm saying that you've got to avoid avoidable mistakes. There are certain things that happen during the course of the game that you're going to get wrong. I get it. You're going to make the wrong call. You're going to use the pitcher in the wrong situation. You're going to ignore the stats. You're going to feel your gut is this or that. The stats are going to be right or wrong. Your gut's going to be right or wrong. You're going to do, make a mistake in a hit and run or getting the game in motion. I get it. The mistakes that Tony La Russa made, this mistake that Joe Girardi made, it is absolutely inexcusable. Okay, we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers right now because this Aaron Rodgers situation is not going anywhere. And word is coming out left, right, and center. Every day it's something new. What happened yesterday is Aaron Rodgers went on a, a CBS show, I think it was, Coca, actually, and said that there is really a possibility that he's going to return. But everything's totally unclear. So finally, the Packers had to make a statement. And this was a good one. They have a GM. His name is Brian Gutkunst. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. And their coach is obviously Matt LaFleur. And the GM, Brian, has been around for a couple of years. For all the Wisconsin people listening, I totally butchered that. And I'm totally sorry. I just wish, wish that coach were right next to me in my ear instead of Coca saying how to pronounce Brian's name, the GM. So word has leaked out obviously on purpose, that Rodgers doesn't want to come back if that GM is still a GM and that there is a irreparable damage to the relationship between Rodgers and the GM. Fine. Well, we have a statement that says that they understand and acknowledge now the issue that Rodgers has with the management. And they acknowledge that they went to visit Aaron during the offseason. And here's what they said when they went public, that was the most bizarre thing of all. We remain committed to Aaron in 2021 and beyond. He is not only a tremendously talented player, but has developed into a true leader for us. We look forward to competing for another Super Bowl championship with Aaron as our leader. Hmm. Let's read between the lines of that little statement because every word is purposeful. Surprise, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer in 21, and that's all, folks. We remain committed to Aaron in 21 and beyond. Why wouldn't they have said we remain committed to Aaron in 21, 22, 23, 24? We want Aaron to play till he's 40. Aaron wants to play till he's 40. He's playing at 38. We are guaranteeing you that he's going to be a Packer till he's 40. They didn't say that because they don't mean it. We look forward to competing for another Super Bowl championship with Aaron as our leader. They were talking about how close they came last season and the season before. They don't say like Steve Cohn with the Mets, hey, we got three to five years. We look forward to getting him his second ring. No, there's none of that. There are opportunities when you make a statement that you can tell a player or tell your fans or tell another team plenty without saying it directly. And that's what the Packers did. They basically told Aaron Rodgers, hey, we're not trading you before 21. It's not advantageous. Certainly not before June. We don't think we're going to go with love. We need him to watch for one more year. We're going to sign another quarterback. We only have two on the roster. You're going to be with us for 21. And then that's just going to be it. Now, why do you think that they wouldn't just say it? Do you think that's because Rodgers may hold out? Never. A 38-year-old quarterback is not holding out. It's just not going to happen. 
because he doesn't have a year to waste because you can't age backwards. You're not Benjamin Button and you get worse as you get older, not better, even when you're Tom Brady. Although Aaron Rodgers did just win the MVP, but I assure you he is not going to hold out or retire. It's just not going to happen. So the Packers could have gone 10 different directions and they went the one direction that actually hurts their fan base, hurts their relationship with Rodgers and solves nothing. Am I shocked? Not at all. Okay, when we come back, I'm reviewing a sitcom that you have to watch. It's six episodes. I can't wait to talk about this. I do have a correction, and we have to talk about what's going on with the NFL and with the Denver Broncos. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you very much for downloading, following, subscribing, for being a part of this show every single day. We are coming to you live. Actually, I don't, do I get to say live, Coke? I don't think I do. Well, you know, we do 45 minutes in a row. It's unedited uh, on the Nothing Personal Road Trip. Is now in Colorado, driving through a snowstorm over the Vail Pass, heading, continuing east here shortly. But I've been watching still a movie a day, no matter how tired I am. I watched all six episodes of a brand new sitcom. It's not a sitcom anymore, Coca. What do they just call it? I think it's just a, a new streaming show. There are two actors who you know I love. Brendan Gleeson, and that may not be his first name, I'm blanking, is the father of Dom Hall Gleeson and someone named Frank Gleeson. He was in In Bruges. His name may be Brian, but I don't think so. But it may be. I'm totally blanking. This is disappointing to me, but it's not really because it's super early where I am right now. Two, the lead from the movie About Time, which I love with Rachel McAdams, is another Gleeson son. So I'm looking on Amazon and I see that he's written a sitcom and it's called Frank of Ireland. I have no idea what it's about. I don't read anything about it other than I see Gleason's name. Well, if Gleason's in it, I'm going to watch it. Six episodes. They're like 25 minutes each, except it stars this guy named Frank. And Frank to me has a red beard. He has red hair. And I'm thinking to myself, God, he looks just like the guy from About Time and, and, the, and the older guy from In Bruges. But it can't be that they're all together. So Brendan is the father. Thank you, Coca. Now we have it. Brendan Gleeson is the father from In Bruges. And this is about a guy named Frank who is a 
35-year-old guy living at home with his mother, trying to figure out his life. It is exactly stereotypical of every story or the basis of every sitcom. But the difference is this one is brilliant. Brian Gleason is Brendan's son. Brian Gleason actually is the brother of his friend on the show. In real life, it's his brother, Dom Hall Gleason. And the two of them have written and made this sitcom Frank of Ireland because Frank is Irish. And it is hysterical. You will be brought in by these characters from the first minute you watch it. And you will get to episode six where there is a surprise cameo by Brendan who comes in for episode six and is so perfect that episode one and episode six are so good that getting through two, three, four, and five is not a problem at all. Frank of Ireland on Amazon, please go watch it. Uh, one of the other things we do on Nothing Personal that I do want to point out is that we will always tell you when we get something wrong. We do wait to seize. Wait to seize when we say something's going to happen. And when it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we're going to revisit it. But the other thing is that we do the show straight. And we don't edit out when I make mistakes because I make plenty of mistakes because you try talking for 45 minutes straight. You're going to make mistakes. I talked about Jacob deGrom's MRI. And I must have called it a magnetic radiation. But it, there's no radiation in an MRI. It's called the magnetic resonance image. I didn't think I'd made that mistake, but I got enough of you telling me I did. An MRI has no radiation. It's magnets that make all that noise, magnetic fields. It's not harmful at all. It's just scary, claustrophobic, and makes noises. Thank you very much for that correction. Okay. Did anyone watch the... Uh, can you imagine that I'm here in Denver and I did not go to the Nuggets game last night when it was my pick of the day because I didn't realize the game was in Denver? I did get here too late for the start of the game, but that's neither here nor there. The Nuggets, how is it that they were only favored by three and a half or three points or four points over the Knicks when the game was in Denver? Do people not realize the Knicks can't win in Denver and that Denver is really good even without Jamal Murray? There's something wrong with that line. So we had it as our pick of the day. I hope you pounced on it because, of course, the Nuggets crushed the Knicks. We are 57 and 40. I'm going to stay in uh, basketball and I'm going to go with the Mavs. The reason I'm going with the Mavs is they are stuck and are in danger of in the playing in the play-in tournament. And I just think their team is too good. And they're playing a Nets team that, while I agree, the Nets are a great Eastern Conference team. They may be favored to make the finals and win the finals. But as I think I told you in a way to see, there's something about the Nets that I just don't think works in a seven-game playoff series. I can't quite put my finger on it. The big three of Harden, Irving, and uh, um, Durant don't play together too often. They've each been hurt at different points. I think that the Mavs are a better team. That is a take that is a one that is going to be very upsetting to people in Jersey and people in New York who love the Nets, but I am taking the Mavs. And I get three points on top of that. You had me at hello. Mavs plus three over the Nets. All right, Coca, someone has a question for us. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson is when you get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. You ask a question that we find interesting. 
that's trending or that I just want to answer. And we're going to answer it on the show. If not, I try to get to it on Twitter or I try to put it in the end of month mailbag episode or I just can't get to it. But we're doing our best. But this is something that's happened. It happened. I didn't get to it yesterday, but we have to talk about it today. Juwan James is a player for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Here's another Bronco, another Denver story. God, the universe is funny. He's a player for the Denver Broncos. He's fine. He opted out last year. He was hurt. He didn't play much. But he's he's an offensive tackle and uh, not, not a bad player at all. Uh, like making $10 million type of not bad. Word came out that he tore his Achilles. That's not good when you are playing football or any sport. It means that you're out for the year. Guaranteed. Didn't Durant tear his Achilles, Coca? I think he did. When you tear an Achilles, you're done. So that's it. Another player, another injured player. That's the end of the story. All right. On to the next topic. No, that's not the end of the story. The real story is that the NFL and the NFL Players Association have been arguing about a concept this offseason, and we have mentioned it. It's the concept of voluntary workouts versus involuntary workouts. It's the concept of coming to your facility and training versus going to your own training facility. We would argue with players about this every time. Players who wanted to go home and work out with their own personal trainers, work out with their, do rehab for Tommy John or rehab for a knee or an elbow or a shoulder where so they could live at home, be with their families, be where their, their crowd is, whatever the case is. And we wanted eyes and hands on them every day. We wanted players to do rehab and to do recovery in front of us. In terms of training, that's a no-brainer. When you are getting ready for a season, do it where we are. Come to the spring training facility. Let us monitor what you're doing. The NFL is even stronger about that. What they say is, if you get hurt while training outside of your facility, of your home facility, without permission of your team to be training at that facility, you're not getting paid. In baseball, if a guy is throwing a bullpen in the offseason and he's throwing it on his old college campus or his old high school field and he blows out his arm and he's got a guaranteed contract, guess what happens? We have to pay him. We monitor the offseason conditioning, but we are not able to negotiate with our union the fact that players cannot do any baseball activity during the offseason without our supervision, without them being in spring training. Football is different. You have to show up to your facility when you are doing certain workouts. Because if you don't, it is clear as day that you are in danger of losing your salary. So this gets reported, and all of a sudden, the NFL players are losing their minds. NFL players are saying, wait a minute, there's a chance that James is not going to get paid? This is a football-related injury. He wasn't skydiving. So the NFL Management Council took the very unusual step, very unusual, of submitting a letter to all NFL GMs, to all NFL owners and presidents, and said to them, here's the rules. Because a lot is being written about in the media about Juwan James and whether or not Juwan James is going to get his salary. Let's be clear as day. If your football player suffers a football-related injury while 
working out in an unsanctioned facility without the prior permission of his team, that player is in violation of his contract and is in jeopardy of not getting paid. Can you imagine the NFL is making it so clear to owners the power they have, the rights they have, all to scare their players into working out at their facilities, which is in their best interest anyway? So here's Juwan James sitting at home. Remember, he didn't really play. He opted out last year. So what happens when you don't play because of COVID is your contract just moves up a year. So his 2020 contract is what he's playing for this year, which is $10 million guaranteed. Oh, he's got another $10 million next year, might I add. So he says to himself, I'm going to work out. Calls up the Broncos. Broncos say, hey, you might want to come here. He says, no, nah, I'm good. Then he calls him up and says, I got a problem. I think I hurt my Achilles. Broncos say, oh, let's get that looked at. They get it looked at. It's torn. Now the Broncos have a serious problem. What do you do? Do you not pay the player? Do you pay the player? The NFL is suggesting not to pay the player. If you don't pay the player, the Broncos are going to be in all sorts of trouble in their clubhouse because players are going to be so unhappy with management. So what would I do? It's actually very simple. Any provision in a collective bargain agreement, I am going to take advantage of. There were minor exceptions that you know about if you're a longtime fan of the show and they generally involve Jeff Conine. But any piece of leverage that I can have over a player, especially when there is $10 million at stake, it's a no-brainer. And what Denver did is they got the NFL to cover for them. They got the NFL to write this letter to all teams to make sure that when the Broncos act and don't pay Juwan James, that everything is right in the world because that's how all teams are going to react. But does that mean that all teams would do that? Can you picture Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft doing that? Yes, I can. And the reason why in football I can picture even the richest owners saying they're not going to pay a player for getting hurt off-site is in football, much more importantly than any other sport, you want season preparation done together. That's why all this involuntary versus voluntary workouts. Do you remember during COVID when Tom Brady got caught by a helicopter holding workouts at some random Tampa high school field with a bunch of other Tampa players? Or when their offensive coordinator met, um, met with Brady at his house? Do you remember when LeBron James was rumored to have had pickup games with his Laker team during the hiatus? Do you remember the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Lakers winning their titles? The importance of team cohesiveness during off seasons, during COVID breaks should not be underestimated. And if the NFL wants to do something about this, you negotiate with the union and you make it clear what the rules are and guess what they did. You have no excuse, Mr. James. You are $10 million poorer as you sit here today. I do hope you get better and come back. But when players see what happened, they're going to think twice before not showing up to the voluntary camps. Wait to see. It's an easy one. The Broncos will not pay James in 2021.
They're just not going to. Okay. Let's talk about the Nets. I'm so angry if I'm the owner of the Nets right now. I got to write a check. $35,000. I'm paying to the NBA. Why? Because I've got a player named Kyrie Irving who, again, will not talk to the media. Remember how this show started? Actually, I can't remember. Did we talk about this today, Coca? About having to meet the media before and after games? Well, in the NBA, can you imagine, Coca, that I, I, I cannot remember what we did to start the show? I'm going back to look. I don't think we did. That must have been the other day. In any case, in baseball, there's a rule you have to meet the media. In basketball, there's a rule you have to meet the media. Kyrie Irving does not like meeting the media. And what the NBA has done is they are now finding not just the player who won't meet the media, they're finding the team as though we can control it. Here's how this works. Go to the clubhouse. Hey, Giancarlo, please go meet the media. Now I'm not in the mood today. Come on, man. You hit the grand slam home run. It was a walk-off. Get someone else. I'm not doing it. Come on, G. No, tomorrow I will. Because he had plans. He wanted to go out. He wanted to shower. And he was meeting people. He had friends in town. Whatever the case was. That player doesn't get fined because you then make another player available. Starting pitchers need to meet the media. Sometimes they don't want to. You try to cover for them. And then they'll do it the next day. They're just too angry. They gave up runs, whatever the case is. Kyrie Irving is a serial silence guy. He just doesn't want to talk. And he doesn't want to talk. And what he says is that he's much more focused on all the social issues going on in the country and all of the problems that are going on. I get it. I get that he wants to make a difference and I get that he is making a difference. But a rule is a rule. And the rules that he is playing under are the same rules that allowed him to get the maximum contract by the New Jersey Nets. And I'm almost positive their name is Brooklyn. You can't choose which rules you're going to follow and which, which rules you're not. It doesn't work that way. You can't take advantage of the greatness of the system that allows you to get a guaranteed contract and then say, ah, I'm not going to play today. I'm not going to meet the media tomorrow. I've got no interest. So the Nets and Irving each got fined 25 grand earlier this season. And Irving, again, is not meeting the media. If I'm the head of the Nets, I'm going down there. I'm saying, listen, Kyrie, this is very simple. If you don't want to meet the media, I am charging you for every dollar we're getting fined. Your choice. But I am making you pay. And then Irving says, according to the collective bargaining agreement, you can't make me pay. And I call up Adam Silver in the NBA and I say, hey, I can't make Kyrie Irving pay our, fee, pay our fine. And I'm trying to get him to, to talk. What am I supposed to do? Drag him kicking and screaming? I can't make him talk. What are you fining me for? Adam Silver says, get him to talk. I can't try harder. I can't. Time passes. The NBA's had enough. They fine him again, $35,000 both Kyrie Irving and the Nets. Now what do you do? If I'm Joseph Tsai, I've had enough. I'm not writing the $35,000 check. I'm calling up Adam Silver and saying, you've got to stop finding our team. I'm giving him all the examples. I am flying in executives from the commissioner's office to see what we go through with Kyrie every day with the media. 
to show them the effort we're making to get Kyrie to talk. I am sick and tired of losing money. Kyrie Irving doesn't care. He writes the checks. He gave a quote that said, I pray we utilize the fine money for the marginalized communities in need, especially seeing where our world is presently. I am here for peace, love, and greatness. I think what he meant to say is, I am here for peace, 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 love, and understanding. What's so funny about that? He then said, stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art. What's he talking about? Is this because he can communicate with his fans and with people through his own social media? You've got to use outside media to get communication to your fans. Those are the rules of engagement. So I was disappointed that he wants to use where we are as a country today as his reason for not talking. Why is he greater than any other player? But then he really did it. He ended his quote with, I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. And that made me smile. He's calling the media pawns because on nothing personal, he must have heard this segment where we sometimes use the media to leak information or listen to McAfee or Lebertard or whatever, where we use media to leak information to try to gain advantage in a trade or in a signing. The media are not pawns. The media are conduits. A conduit is not a pawn, Kyrie. And do you think that you're ingratiating yourself with your fans, with your ownership, or with members of the media by calling them pawns? Is that really what you think of them? Do you know that the media and the information that's disseminated is the very reason why you're as rich as you are and that you can afford to give your fines to marginalized communities? I think you probably are. And I think you also know very well that when you're fined and when you're asked to do your job, it's just business, Kyrie. It's nothing personal.